0: Thank you so much for joining us today at Our Savior's Church, where we are one church meeting in five different locations. And our goal is to help you on your spiritual journey to know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference in the lives around you. If you'd like to learn more about Our Savior's Church or how to get involved, visit us online at OurSavior'sChurch.com. I want to talk to you today, a pretty simple message. I just want to give you some, some thoughts today. I want to talk to you on the subject of do you want to be well? Do you want to be well? I want to tell you a story about, about a guy named Michael Plant. Michael Plant was the single most um, the single most accomplished American solo sailor, uh, meaning he sailed all by himself without a crew. So he was, Michael Plant was the most uh, accomplished American solo sailor. He, uh, booked over or he traveled over 100,000 miles and he had been around the world, sailed around the world three times. Uh, In 1992, he purchased a new sailboat called the Coyote. Uh, The Coyote was a high tech sailboat, had all the latest features and uh, it was state of the art and it was docked in the New York Harbor. And upon purchasing it, he immediately entered it into a race That was to begin in France 32 days later. And he began his trek from New York to France and 11 days into his journey. Remember, the most accomplished American solo sailor in one of the most state of the art sailboats goes missing and no one can find him or contact him. They tried to contact him through technology, through means of technology. Uh, That didn't work. They began to do flyovers. They could not find him. And 32 days later, on the same day the race was supposed to start in France, a, a cargo ship found him. The coyote was upside down. The 85 foot mass was still intact, pointed straight down into the ocean floor. Uh, there the sails were still rugged I'm sorry the sails were still rigged there was no puncture in the hull and the rudder was still operational the problem was this was that the 8400 pound ballast had separated from the boat and was somewhere on the ocean floor So the fundamental principle of sailing, I've never sailed, I just want to give you that that disclaimer. But um, So the fundamental uh, principle of sailing is there has to be more weight under the waterline than above it, right? So no matter the intensity of the wind or the waves, the weight that is unseen keeps the boat upright and stable. And once the ballast was gone, Michael Plant's skill was not enough to keep that boat on course. Once the ballast was gone, the coyotes' um, high-tech features weren't enough to keep that boat on course. It literally had no chance of survival. And what a ballast is to a sailboat is what a healthy soul is to a person. Right? That... Because we all have a life above the water. That's what we are today. Y'all all look so pretty. But we know you don't always look this pretty. Right? I walked through the fire. I didn't hear anybody cussing. Nobody was hollering at their husband. Well, there was one. No. There was, nobody was chewing out their, 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 their wife. Right? Because this is the, water, this is the life above the water. Life. This is what everybody sees. But every one of us also have a life below the waterline that nobody sees, that people rarely see. And listen, just because you see us nice and pretty today, you may not know my issues, but I know my issues. And I may not know your issues, but you know your issues. And today I want to talk to you on the subject of do you want to be well? Because if we're going to live the life God intended us to, remember John chapter 10, verse 10, that Christ came to give us an abundant life or life to the fullest. If we're going to live the life God intended us to, we have to make sure that our unseen life is healthy in order to steady us when the winds and the rain come. And listen, the winds and rain are coming, right? They're coming. <laughs> and at that moment, it doesn't matter how often you come to church. If your unseen life is not intact, trouble's coming. In that moment, it doesn't matter how much scripture you memorize or you can quote. Listen, what matters is, it, are you healthy in your soul? Are you healthy in your connection to God? 3 John chapter 1, verse 2 says this, Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health. Listen, just as your soul prospers. So let me tell you about your soul. So your soul is your mind, your will and your emotions or your thoughts, your decisions and affections. So just so you know, I've said this before, uh, God, we, we believe in the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. In the book of Genesis, God said to the Son and the Holy Spirit, let us make man in our own image. And so he created us as triune beings. There's three parts to each one of us. There's our body. There's our soul, again, which is our mind, our will, and our emotions. And then there's our spirit. Our spirit is what connects to God. Your spirit came alive when you said yes to Jesus. Right? So there's three parts of us. Uh, but 3rd John chapter 1, verse 2 said, I would that you would prosper and be in health just as your soul prospers. You know what he's saying? I want your, your physical health and your physical prosperity to be in tandem with your spiritual health. Right? Because if you prosper, but your soul's not intact, it could lead to disaster. How many of us know people who became very wealthy or really blessed? But it, it led him down a road that God never intended him to go down. Right. And so he says he wants you to, wants us to prosper and be in health. But just as our soul prospers, just as our mind, our will, our emotions, our thoughts, our decisions and our affections prosper in counseling. I always remind people, healthy people tend to make healthier decisions Healthy people have a better chance of making a healthy marriage. Healthy people typically make better financial, more healthy financial decisions. And you can apply that to anything. When we're healthy, we see things through a different lens, right? We see things through a healthy lens and we tend to respond in a healthy manner. But when we're unhealthy, how many of you know that carries out as well? Unhealthy people many times make unhealthy choices, make unhealthy marriages, produce unhealthy kids. All because the Bible says that what we sow, we will all sow reap. So if we're sowing unhealth, guess what we're going to reap in our finances? What we reap, we'll reap in our marriage, our kids, so on and so forth. So I want to take you to John chapter 5. John chapter 5, verses 1 through 8. It's a story about Jesus and a miracle. And I just want to draw, I just want to show you four simple principles and ask you the question, do you want to be well? John chapter five, it says this, after this, there was a feast of the Jews and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now there is in Jerusalem by the sheep gate, a pool, which is called in Hebrew, Bethesda, having five porches. In these lay a great multitude of sick people, blind, lame and paralyzed, waiting for the moving of the water. For an angel went down at a certain time into the pool and stirred up the water. And then whoever stepped in first after the stirring of the water was made well of whatever disease he had. Now, a certain man was there who had an infirmity 38 years. Everybody say 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he had already been in that condition a long time. So Jesus knew he had been there 38 years. Right. Um, He said to him, Jesus says to the man who's been lame for 38 years, do you want to be well? Do you want to be made well? The sick man answered him, sir, I have no man to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up. But while I'm coming, another steps down before me. Jesus said to him, rise, take up your bed and walk. And immediately the man was made well, took up his bed and walked. I want to give you four steps to being well. And listen, this is just some simple principles Uh, for some issues. We need a whole lot more than just these. But this is your starting point right here. Okay, number one. Decide you want to be well. I don't know about you, but if I'm the man who's been crippled or lame for 38 years, and Jesus says, Do you want to be well? I'm thinking you're the savior, and that's the dumbest question anybody could ever ask me. Right? Certainly, it's not just me. That's a that's a ridiculous question. The only thing more ridiculous than Jesus's question is the man's answer. Because if I've been lame for 38 years, laying by this pool and somebody asks me, do you want to be well? There's only a one word answer. Yes. Or maybe three words. Dear God. Yes. Right. But that's not what the man said. Jesus says, do you want to be well? And instead of the man saying yes, the man begins to give excuses as to why he can't be well. Can I just tell you, not everybody who says they want to be well really wants to be well. And I think Jesus is asking us today, do you want to be well? Now, let me just say this. I think this is the kind of message that as you listen, you're immediately going to be thinking of other people. Man, if my wife would hear that, oh, Lord, dear God, does she need to be well. Right? Right? I'm not speaking of my wife, I'm speaking of your wife. Anyway, so And so you begin to think, man, if my brother, man, my brother needs to be well. Man, my Listen, today is not about all those other people you know. Today is about me and today is about you. Today is where do you need to be well? Where do you need to be healthier? Is it in your body? Is it in your temper? Is it in your uh, unhealthy habits? Is it in your marriage? Is it with your kids? I don't know where you need to be made well, but I think that every one of us in this room could say, there's an area of my life where it would be to my benefit and the benefit of those around me if I was well. So don't think about everybody else. Think about yourself. Take inventory of yourself, There are many today who, though things are not going well, don't really want to change. There's a certain comfort, security, and familiarity to their misery. Listen, if we don't change, we will learn to function within our dysfunction. And I think we all know people like that right, who have been the same way year after year after year after year, and now it's just become who they are, and they've learned to function in their dysfunction. We don't have a dog at our house because Tara didn't like dogs. Um, me and Madeline, my youngest, we like dogs, but Terry and Gabby don't, and so they won, and we did have one dog. We got one dog about three years ago, but it was demon-possessed, and I'm telling you, this dog was about this size and it could eat a sofa. No, I'm serious. I know you don't believe me. It's true. I mean, this thing was like, we still, if you come to our house, well, we sold our house and now we live in an apartment. But if you live, come to our apartment, you on, on the bottoms of our chairs, he ate the rungs on the bottom of our chairs. It will tell you, there was a demon there. But you know how it is. You go, you take your dog to the groomer, right? And you pay somebody more money than your dog's worth to bathe them. I don't even pay people to bathe my kids, much less my dog, right? So you know, you pick up your dog from the groomer, and man, that dog fluffy smells so good. They put perfume, and they put that little bandana. He's cute and all that. And then you take him at home, and he starts scratching the back door. You let him out, and he goes and rolls in something that stinks. I just paid for you to smell good. Now you stink. He's more comfortable stinking than smelling good. And some of us, we've become more comfortable in our dysfunction And the thought of being healthy seems so far away, we don't know that the journey's really worth it. But if Jesus said, I've come that you might have life and life to the fullest, listen, you may have learned to function in your dysfunction, but God has something better for you. God has something better for me than that. Listen, we were created by God for an abundant life that's found only in Jesus Christ. The Bible says we were created in Ephesians 2 verse 10 for purpose, right? We were created in Christ Jesus to do good works. The problem is, is that many people never come to the place where they're just ready to do whatever it takes. Think about this man, lame 38 years, and he begins to make excuses why he can't be well. Some of us begin to think about our childhood. Some of us begin to think about words that were spoken over us that keep us down, that keep us from being who God created us to be. Jesus was asking the man this. Do you want me to do for you what you haven't been able to do for yourself? And listen, obviously, I believe in counseling. I believe in accountability. Listen, you need healthy relationships in your life. If you haven't been through freedom, I'm telling you, you need to go through freedom, all that stuff. But at some point in time, you may need to come to a place where you say to Jesus, I've done everything I know to do, and I need you to come through. Because there are some times that only God can do what counseling can't do. Only God can do what freedom can't do. Only God can do what accountability can't do. And that's what Jesus was asking this man. Do you want me to do for you what you haven't been able to do for yourself? He's saying, I've tried everything and I've failed over and over again. I've tried to put myself in the pool. I can't over and over again. I lack the ability on my own and I need you. Can I tell you, and I've said this before to you, but I just want to say it again. Most of us grew up in traditional religion and we were taught that we had to say the right things for God and we had to look the right way for God. And we had to listen to me. You cannot have a healthy relationship without vulnerability. And what God wants from us is not the right words. He wants us to be honest and vulnerable with him. That's what he wants from us. Listen, when I talk to my kids, I don't want them to tell me what they think. I want them to be honest and vulnerable You can't have a healthy marriage without vulnerability. You can't have healthy friendships without vulnerability. And you cannot have a healthy relationship with God without, unless you're willing to be vulnerable and honest with him. And that's what this man did. So you got to decide you want to be well. The second thing is this, be willing to do what seems impossible. So Jesus goes to the man who's been lame for 38 years, do you want to be well? And then he says this, rise up. Take your bed and walk. The man's been lame for 38 years. This, in and of itself, is impossible. But can I just remind us? Jesus wouldn't have asked him if it were impossible. When God tells you to do something, it's possible. When God tells you to quit, to stop doing something, it's possible. Matthew 19, 26 says, but Jesus looked at them and said, with man this is impossible, but with God all things are possible. Listen, if God's put it in your heart, if God's called you to it, you can do it with the power of God as your help. The calling of God is the enabling of God. God. When Jesus said, get up and walk, he was enabling him with the miracle working power of Christ to do what he has not been able to do for 38 years. Psalm 37, 4 says this. It's not on your screen, but it says that God gives us the desire of our heart. That doesn't mean God gives us everything we want. No, that means that God puts desires in us. And that when God puts a desire in us many times to be healthy, to be whole, to deepen our relationship with him, when God puts a desire in us, don't quit believing until you see it come to pass. Don't give up. Because if God put it in your heart, he put the desires in your heart then it's possible. It may take time, it may take work, work, it may take effort, but if he put the desire in you, it's possible. I don't, I don't know if I've ever told this story. I told it last service. And, um, before Tara and I got married, Tara had, has a daughter and uh, she was six years old and I was 36 and she was 32. And we decided that we wanted to have a child. We wanted to have, if we were to have children, we'd have two. And, um, and but we made an agreement that if we could get pregnant naturally, we would have two children. But if not, we were good with Tara's child, Annie, and uh, we would leave it at that. And then we got married. And then Tara wanted a baby. And then we couldn't get pregnant. And guess what? I'm like, so we start jumping through all these hoops, going through all this testing. I'm like, wait, didn't we have an agreement over here? Right? That she forgot about whatever. So, so we literally get to the place. We have been married three years now. I was 39 years old. Tara was 35 years old when Dr. Hardy, her, her doctor, looked at her and said, Tara, there's nothing else we can do. Tara, you're not going to have a baby. And if you know Dr. Hardy, he prayed with her because he's an incredible man of God. And he prayed with us that we would just have the peace of God. But God had put something in our heart and we, be, we continued to pray for it. Literally one night, it was a Sunday night. I was on staff at Crossroads and we were doing a leadership meeting. That means we just called the leaders together and we brought this guy in from Tulsa just to challenge leaders and encourage leaders. And he's doing a leadership talk. And in the middle of it, he stops and he goes, there's somebody in this middle section that you've been, been believing God for a child and the doctors have told you you won't be able to get pregnant. Who's that? And we raised our hand. We were the only ones. He said, come, come, let me pray for y'all. I, am not, I promise I'm not exaggerating when I say what I'm about to say. He prayed the simplest prayer that you could imagine to the point that when I got back to my seat, I thought to myself, well, that won't work. <laughs> I, oh, you have little faith. I know. I just want to be well. I just need to be well. Three months later, we were pregnant. Three months later, we were pregnant. And we had Gabby. And then God gave us Madeline. And if God puts something in your heart, it doesn't matter who says it's impossible, God wouldn't put it in your heart if it's impossible. There was a couple in our first service who, uh, I didn't share this in first service, but that was believing God for a child. And, and um, I told them our story and prayed with them. And th- today they're pregnant and they've been pregnant now for a while. And, and we're just believing God for a healthy baby. Listen, God wouldn't put it in your heart if it was impossible. Many people say, I can't live this Christian life. It's too hard. Yes, You can. Because God's called you to it. I can't be free from this thing I'm dealing with. Yes, you can, because God said you could. The real question is not, can I be free? The question is, do you want to be free? Do you want to be well? Number three, remove all possibility of a relapse. Remove all possibility of a relapse. Listen, Jesus looks in the man and says, do you want to be well? Then he says, rise, take up your bed and walk. And then again, he says, pick up your mat. You know what he's saying? He's saying this. He's saying, take up your bed and walk. Don't leave your things here because you're not coming back here. Because whom the sun sets free is free indeed. Right? Right? And listen, there are times when we've got to remove all possibility of a relapse. Get rid of your backup plan. You don't need a backup plan with God. Can I just be honest with you? Some of y'all need to let go of some friends. Because what God wants for you and what they want for you is two different things. Some of you need to go home today and delete some phone numbers in your phone. Because what God has for you is what you committed till death do we part over here. But these phone numbers are drawing you to something that God never intended for you. And I don't care what this feels like versus what this feels like. This is what you committed your life to. And this is what you need to walk in obedience to. You need to get rid of the possibility of a relapse. The problem with many believers is they've never really made that break. And thus never made the commitment to Christ that they need to. They're dragging all their junk around with them. Listen, let it go. What God has for us is so much bigger than what we walked away from. And let me just say this. The further we get from a situation, the easier it is to re- to forget how bad it was. Let me say that again. The further we get from a situation, the, the easier it is to forget how bad it was. I, I'm, I was counseling a couple last week. And this couple was married, I think, for about 13 years and And they got a divorce and they didn't see each other for four years. And then recently they both end up at the same wedding and the same wedding reception and they reconnect and they start talking and they want to get married again. So they make an appointment with me. I sit down with them and, uh, and I ask them this question, tell me why y'all got a divorce. And they start telling me this terrible story. And then I go, well, Tell me what y'all did to fix that. Well, we haven't seen each other in four years. We didn't fix that. I said, well, if it was that bad and nothing got fixed, guess what you're remarrying into? The same thing. Let me tell you why I tell you that. Because some of you have been been saved. Some of you gave your heart to Christ years ago. But there's something back there that looks appealing because it's been so long. You forgot how bad it was and how stuck you were and how dependent upon that thing or that person you were. And listen, you need to leave that stuff in the past. Leave it in the past. Luke chapter 9 verse 62 says this. Jesus replied, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for service in the kingdom of God. I just want to ask you this question. When you think about your life, what unhealthy thing keeps resurfacing? What unhealthy thing keeps resurfacing? Who keeps resurfacing? What addiction keeps resurfacing? What issue keeps resurfacing? Whatever it is. Because whatever keeps resurfacing is what you need to deal with in order to be well. Last thing for you. Number four, expect God's power to enable you to remain well. Jesus said to the man, get up and walk. You know what he was saying? I'm not going to carry you. You put forth the effort and I'll work the miracle. I've told you you can. Now begin to take some steps. And as you take steps of obedience, I will meet you and I will help you. But many times we don't want to take the steps. We don't want to obey. We just want God to carry us. Listen, that's called enabling and God doesn't do that. OK, you may not agree, but I, that's what I think. So. Think about it. Go to John chapter six. There's 15,000, 5,000 men plus women and children. Theologians say probably about 15,000 people. And they're hungry. They were probably Cajun. And all they have is a little boy's lunch, the loaves and the fish. And Jesus, this is a great, great point. Don't miss this. The Bible says Jesus took what wasn't enough and gave thanks for it. He gave thanks for what wasn't enough. You know why? Because his eyes weren't on what was enough. His eyes were on who is always enough. Right? And so many times we don't see the blessing of God because instead of giving thanks for what we have and trusting God to multiply it, we just live complaining about not having enough. So the Bible says Jesus took the bread and the fish and he gave thanks to it. He gave it to the disciples. He gave the disciples what wasn't enough. And as they began to distribute, the Bible says they had more than enough. Listen, God worked the miracle as they walked in obedience. Think of Jesus' very first miracle, turning the water into wine. He tells them, "Go go fill these pots up with water, and I'll bring it to the master of the ceremonies. The master of the ceremonies didn't need water. He wanted wine. But as they began to walk in obedience, the miracle took place. You need to ask yourself today. I need to ask myself today, what's one step of obedience I need to take now in order to bring in the power of God to take me from where I am to where God wants me to be? But many of us are stuck because we don't want to take that first step of obedience. I don't know what your issue is. Mine's food. Right? But what happens is, the other day Tara sat down and she goes, David, I really need you to get healthy. I tell you, Tara, I've been to the gym She goes, David, you go to the gym once and you don't go back. I know, but I went that one time. I don't know how you look at it. When I look for a gym, I go look at the snacks in the vending machine. Tara's like, what are you going to the gym all those quarters for? Maybe it's a workout plan. Just trust me. Just trust me. Listen, so tomorrow I'm starting a new journey for my health, right? And I don't want to. I don't want to. Listen, people come to my office and they talk about addiction. I've never touched a drug in my life. I didn't taste alcohol until I was 30 and it, it didn't do anything for me. Now, meshes, donuts, that's a whole different thing. <laughs> and that makes sense. Right? Can I just tell you, I'm literally, I literally called a friend. and I, Because this is the truth. It's big for me. I called a friend. and I said, you got to meet me there. And you just got to help me be there. And I don't know who you need to call to just say, I need you to help me. I need you to take that step with me. But I'm telling you, God works miracles when we take steps of obedience. And you need to ask yourself, what is one step of obedience that I could take to open the door for God to begin to do what only God can do? And do not show up at the gym tomorrow morning to find out if I went. It's none of your business. Listen, I, I'm starting this journey tomorrow about my eating and exercise. And before first service, somebody came up, Adam and Mandy. Uh, Mandy, our receptionist, came up and gave me this big tin full of cookies. I'm like, get thee behind me, Satan. I I just looked at her and said, thank you so much. Y'all are so kind. I'm trying to figure out how many of those cookies I can eat before midnight. The Lord has made a way. (laughs) Galatians 5.16, but I say walk by the Spirit. Take steps, right? God doesn't orchestrate leaps. He, He orchestrates steps, the steps of a righteous person or the Lord. Walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. It's a continuous thing we do day by day. So let me just wrap up and give you this, these few questions. I think if you were going to meet me at the gym tomorrow morning, you would give me some things to think through. So I just want to give you some things to think through as to why you're not healthy, right? As to why there's an area of your life that you're not healthy, and I just want to walk you through these, and then we'll wrap up. Number one, I want to ask you this question. Have you turned from your sin? Because when you came to Christ... The Bible says you became a new creation and all things are passed away and all things have become new. But if you continue in what God delivered you from, God wants to deliver you from, then you gotta ask yourself, maybe that's my first step. Maybe there's something I'm even though I love Jesus and I'm I'm in church and I want to serve God, there's an area of my life that I know that I've never really quit. Have you have you turned from your sins? Psalm 66, 18. If I had cherished iniquity in my heart, the Lord would not have listened. And so maybe you're crying out to God for help, but yet there's something, there's some sin in your life that's keeping you from receiving what God has for you. Next question I would ask you is this. Do you study and memorize scripture? David said in Psalms 119, I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Listen, if you're dealing with repetitive sin, I would just say this. Get some, script, some little index cards and do a Google search for scriptures about freedom and start to memorize those verses of scripture. David said, I put God's word in my heart so that I wouldn't sin against him. Right? Start putting some good stuff in you that's going to produce the fruit that you're wanting to bear. Do you have godly relationships in your life? Psalm or Proverbs 27, 17. Iron sharpens iron and one man sharpens another. Do you have godly relationships in your life? Again, I've got friends that aren't godly that I go to lunch with every week. But that's not who I'm going to for marriage advice. That's not who I'm going to for wisdom or for direction. Right. Do you have godly relationships in your life? People who love you enough and are strong enough to be honest with you. Ask yourself that question. The next one is this. Have you been baptized in water? Acts 2.38, Peter replied, repent and be baptized. Listen, water baptism is not essential for salvation. But if scripture says repent and be baptized and you haven't, it may indicate a heart that is not totally surrendered to God. You know how it is if you have kids. There are times when you tell your kids something and they go, well, why do I have to? And sometimes you go, because I said, and I just need you to trust me. Right? And there are times when it may not make sense, but if it's in scripture, just do what dad said to do. And again, it's water baptism. You don't have to be water baptized to go to heaven. But the Bible says repent and be baptized. So it may indicate some resistance in you to do whatever God's called you to do. The next one is this, do you have a prayer life? First Thessalonians 5, 17 and 18, pray without ceasing and everything give thanks for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Again, you can't have a healthy marriage without communication and you can't have a healthy relationship with God without communication. And I think this, and again some of this goes back to traditional religion but I think some of us don't some of us struggle in the area of prayer because we complicate it. We complicate. You don't have to have the right words for God. You just got to be honest. God, I'm struggling today. God, I, just be honest. Listen, this is verse of scripture, it's not on your screen, but I thought it was important to read. Matthew 6, 7 says this. When you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. It doesn't matter if you pray for 30 minutes or 30 seconds. If you're just sharing your heart with God, and if you begin with 30, it'll become 60, and 60 will become... I'm going to give you a great resource that you can look up. Do a Google search for this. 21 Seconds to Change Your World, World. 21 Seconds to Change Your World, Church of the Highlands. A guy by the name of Mark Rutland, who uh, served as the president of three universities, preached this message. He's, he actually wrote a book, uh, and he's preached this message all over. I always recommend the one at Church of the Highlands because I watched it. And he gives you such a simple, simple concept of prayer. And it's about praying the Lord's prayer, and he talks about how Jesus said, "When you pray, pray like this." But when we left traditional religion, we left the Our Father behind. And he talks about, "Hey, if you just need to kickstart your prayer life, start there. Just start there. Don't complicate it. Just do something. Just connect with God through prayer." Do you deny yourself? Do you deny yourself? Listen, that thing that you know you need to get rid of, that's keeping you unhealthy. Do you give yourself into it or do you deny it? Paul said this in 1 Corinthians 15, 31, I die daily. We know that the Bible talks about a thorn in in Paul's flesh. The Bible doesn't tell us what it was, but it was something that tripped him up. And what he's saying here is this, I die to my own desires and my own wants daily so that I can be who Christ has called me to be. And lastly, do you keep his commandments? you keep his commandments first john two two verses three through six we know that we have come to know him if we keep his commands whoever says i know him but does not do what he commands is a liar and the truth is not in that person but if anyone obeys his word love for god is truly made complete in them this is how we know we are in him whoever claims to live in him must live as jesus did Today, I don't know what your issue is. But I know that God wants to see you free. I know that God wants to see you healthy. I know just as Jesus said to the man at the pool of Bethesda, he would say to us, do you want to be well? And every one of us have a story in here. And maybe you're sitting there going, but if you just knew my story. Listen, I don't know your story, but I do know a Savior. I do know Jesus and I know what he delivered me from and I know what he delivered my dad from and my family from I know and I know that he can help you you just got to decide that you really want to be well I want to do this very simply would you stand to your feet I'm asking you to bow your heads and close your eyes I just want to ask you one simple question if you say today, there's something, there's an area in my life that I know I need to deal with if I'm going to be well, just raise your hand and put it right back down. I just want you to just, obedience, yep. Yeah. Yep, put it right back down. All right, so we're going to pray, and we're going to pray for that, and I'm going to close in prayer. And I just want to remind you that as you leave today, there will be offering containers at the door if you're wanting to participate in that Florida uh, project. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. God, thank you for the truth that's in your word. God, I know that you want every one of us well. I know that you want to take us from where we are to a healthier place. And God, I think that it just begins with a step. It begins with us taking a step. It begins with us calling on your name to just go, God, I'm going to take this step, but I'm really anxious about it. God, I'm, I'm really, it, 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 it's not easy. And I, 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 but I'm just asking that as I take this step, that you would meet me where I am and that you would help me. And Father, Lord, we thank you that you said, your ear is not deafened that you could not hear, nor is your arm shortened that you could not reach us and touch us and help us. Father, today we just call upon the mercy of God. You said your mercies are new every morning and your grace is sufficient. Father, we pray for your mercy and your grace, Lord, to help us. God, we know you want us healthy. God, for some it's deliverance. God, they literally are bound up. And God, I pray that you would deliver those who are bound. Lord, set the captives free today. But for some, it's just habits. For some, it's relationships that need to end. Lord, whatever it is, it's big to each one of us. And we pray that you would help us and that you would empower us by the power of the Holy Spirit to do what you've called us to do. Lord, as we go from this place, we pray, God, your blessings upon every person, every family represented here today. God, we pray that you would guard us and guide us and keep us. We pray this in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Everybody said amen.